1: It's Panthers at Dolphins
0: on Sunday. Are you ready to shock the world? I'll give you my three keys to how the
1: Carolina Panthers can do that right here on Locked on Panthers. You are Locked on Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: at Julian Council, where on Wednesday throughout the rest of the regular season, I'll be answering your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions either at me or DM me to get into next week's edition of the weekly Wednesday mailbag right here on Locked on Panthers. Today's episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by Price Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to pricepicks.com slash Locked on NFL and use code all lowercase Locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100 happy Friday the 13th I hope everyone has been watching Jason videos all day long it's spooky season in full effect here in October and if you're a Carolina Panthers fan spooky season started back in September as the Carolina Panthers are 0-5 heading to face off against the 4-1 high octane offense Miami Dolphins on Sunday afternoon down there and technically Miami Gardens, Florida, but down there in South Florida, as it will be a uh, tall task for the Carolina Panthers if they're going to notch their first win of the season before heading into their week seven bye week before coming out of the bye and having two home games and a chance to maybe turn some things around here. And we'll talk about a little bit later here on the show. But right now, let me give you my three keys to victory, as I do every Friday, heading into a game week. So, next Friday, there will be no game. So, there will be no three keys to victory. Maybe I can give you keys to how to win on the weekend off, um, but we'll get there when we cross that bridge next week. So, three keys to victory here on the show. Key number one the Dolphins have a great offense. We are aware of that. You saw them put up 70 points on the Denver Broncos a couple weeks ago. Woof. The Carolina Panthers, I don't think are going to give up 70. If they give up 50, wouldn't shock me considering how banged up the defense is. But the real important key for the defense, it's not necessarily about, you know, obviously it's about the scoreboard. But what the defense needs to be able to do is to get the Dolphins the third down. The Dolphins, according to Frank Reich, and I'm going to believe these numbers are true. Frank Reich said in his press availability on Wednesday that the Dolphins are only averaging nine third downs per game. Nine times a game, on average, teams are getting the Dolphins the third down. That means that they are incredible on first and second down in being able to get the yard to gain. The Carolina Panthers have an excellent third down defense. For all of the injuries and the flaws that this defense has so far through the first five and a half weeks of the season, they are second in the NFL, in third down defense. Something that was a major issue when Matt Rule was here is no longer a problem for the Carolina Panthers as they're only allowing their opponents to convert 29.8% of the time. So if you can get the Dolphins to third down, so far this season, you've done a really good job at getting off the field. It will help if Dante Jackson, who was a full participant at practice on Wednesday, is out there starting on Sunday, which you would think Considering going through practice on Wednesday, recording this before I saw the injury report on Thursday, he should be good to go. That helps you. CJ Henderson, of course, as we know, a former first round pick, top 10 pick. He's made some strides this season. He's definitely looked better than he's looked in the past two years. Those two guys out there, that gives you a chance as now you have DiCaprio Boodle who's been elevated, not even elevated. He's been signed to the 53-man roster. You have him, Deshaun Jameson. You have more of a chance than you would have had last week when Dante Jackson was not out there against the Lions. You had to play a ton of zone coverage. We talked about that yesterday with Kyle Krabs the blocked on dolphins. If they do that, Against Mike McDaniel, just like we saw Ben Johnson last week, and a better quarterback and better offensive weapons, they're going to get shredded. They might get shredded anyways, but they cannot play zone defense and allow the Dolphins to just dink and dunk and get down the field. Like, that's what you would want them to do, is have to drive down the field slow methodically, but get the third down. You can get the third down, you obviously can get off the field, and you've done a really good job of doing that so far this season against some pretty good offenses. Like Detroit had the punt cut a lot in the second half on Sunday. You saw Seattle really struggle in the first half. The Panthers have had a solid red zone defense as well uh, in the first half of games. So get the Dolphins a third down, and you might have a chance in this football game. Uh, number two, obviously you got to limit explosive plays. I always have pretty much the same keys when you go into these games. and The same keys are really protect the quarterback, um, get after the quarterback, don't turn the football over. Limit explosive plays, you could probably throw that one in there as a fourth no-brainer key to have each and every week. But especially – against the Dolphins, an offense that has been absolutely disgusting through five weeks of the season, y'all. Tua leads the NFL in passing yards. Tyreek Hill leads the NFL in receiving yards. They're the number one total offense with 513.6 yards per play. That is over 100 yards per game than the next team, which is the Philadelphia Eagles, who played for a Super Bowl last year. That's incredible what the Dolphins are doing right now. Number one rushing offense at 185.8 yards per game. Number one passing offense at 327.8 yards per game. Now for the Panthers, defensively, they're fifth against the pass. And that probably ties into how good they are on third down. If you're good against the pass, you should be able to get off the field on third down seeing as if you're able to get your team opponents into long down and distances, which the Panthers have been able to do a lot this season. But the problem for the Panthers is they are not good at all against the run. They've given up 130 yards plus in every single game this season. They are 26 right now against the run, allowing 140.8 yards per game. It gets worse and worse each week, and it would not be a surprise at all if they give up 200 yards per rushing plus on Sunday afternoon against Miami Dolphins. So it's not just explosive plays on the ground or through the air. It's both. Okay. So you can't give them up through the air. You can't give them up through uh, on the ground through the air. I'm not as concerned about it considering Dante should be back in a way that they've not really given that many up this season, but on the ground, You've seen the Panthers give up, you know, runs of like 5 or 7 or 10 yards. It's nothing crazy. You saw 42 last week with uh, David Montgomery, but it hasn't really been that explosive. It's just been consistent 5 yards here, 6 yards here, here's 7 yards. All right, going to break off for 13. Now, it hasn't been like the 50, 30, 20-plus yard runs that we've seen in previous years for the Carolina Panthers. This year, though... I think this week that could happen if the Carolina Panthers are not able to figure out what they want to do. Like a Vero comes from that Vic Fangio tree. And Frank Reich to talk about it on Wednesday, that a Vic Fangio defense wants you to have to go down the field methodically. That's what the Carolina Panthers should also want. So they can get the Dolphins a third down and they can hold up and not allow those explosive plays. Then defensively they can have a chance and really get the third down too. going back to that previous key. That gives Brian Burns, an opportunity to tee off. the Gibbs Frankie Luvu in this pass rush an opportunity to get after Tua to potentially make some mistakes. Number three, and this is a big old duh, but they got to keep up offensively. The Carolina Panthers are only averaging 18.2 points per game while allowing 28.8. That's obviously bad. The Dolphins, as we know, have the number one offense in the league. They're going to score points. That is just something that's going to happen in today's Football, whether it's in the NFL or in college or in high school, the game is suited for offenses to be able to do whatever the hell they want. Defense, you can't touch them. There's ridiculous pass interferences. There's ridiculous uh, sack or um, roughing the passers and all those calls. We see it week in and week out in the NFL. So with the game, um, I guess helping off. I can't. I think I can't think of the word. But with the game catered to offenses, I don't think that's what I was actually trying to say. But either way, the game is better suited for offenses nowadays because of the rules. The Panthers have to be able to score points in this game. Like this is not going to be a game you can win seventeen to thirteen. It's not going to be a knockout drag out slugfest. It's going to have to be a game where it, you're going to have to be in a track meet. You're going to have to try and limit the explosive plays as much as you can. Try to get the Dolphins third down as much as you can. But Bryce Young and his offense, they have to go out there and they need to perform. What we saw last week in the second half, those two touchdown drives in the last two drives, that's what they have to do. If you know, They can get down the field on seven, seven plays, 14 plays, however many plays it takes. They can get down the field, hit on some third downs, that gives them a chance to obviously get on the board, and that's the only way they capable with the Dolphins. It's not going to be a defensive slugfest. It's, like I said, it's going to be a game where the Carolina Panthers have to put up at least like 28, 30 points if they want to win this game on Sunday. Are they capable of that? Frank Wright keeps telling us that they're not that far away. All right, Frank, this is the time to see it. This is the game of any games all season long where you better be able to score 28 points. 30 points if you want to have any shot at winning on Sunday afternoon down there in Miami. Well, the Carolina Panthers, they have been banged up through the first five weeks of the season, and they head into week six with yet another injury after Chandler Zavala went out with that neck injury last week. We'll look at the injury report, and there's some good news for the Carolina Panthers once they get out of the bye. How could that impact their season moving forward? We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to the medication in an emergency, you actually have it. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting those life-saving antibiotics of Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout on JaceMedical.com. That's J-A-S-E-Medical.com. The Carolina Panthers have been severely banged up here in the first five weeks of the season. That has played a large role in the Panthers' 0-5 start. Taking a look at the injury report and also discussing some of the key injuries and guys who potentially could be coming back soon. Just looking at it right now, Miles Sanders. Did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. He has a shoulder injury. He has been on the injury report the last three weeks. The previous two weeks was because of a groin. That was the same groin injury, I would assume, that kept him out during the preseason and has probably played a major role in why Miles Sanders only has 190 yards rushing so far this season. One of the high-priced reagents for the Carolina Panthers and the highest-paid running back this past free agency. He has definitely been a disappointment for the Carolina Panthers. So right now he's dealing with shoulder, and. If he did not practice on Wednesday, did not practice on Thursday, I would expect that he's probably not going to play in the game on Sunday. Xavier Woods also did not practice. The Panthers haven't said much about Woods uh, other than like it was you know significant. They didn't put him on IR even though he's not going to play this week. Uh, he didn't play last week. Didn't play the week prior. So maybe they're going to get him after the buys. That's probably why they didn't want to put him on IR. I'm not quite sure. uh, But he did not practice again on Wednesday and Thursday with that hamstring. Chandler Zavala, no surprise, did not practice with the neck on Wednesday or Thursday. So those three players should definitely be out. Taylor Moten, listed uh, with an injury of knee slash rest, was limited on Wednesday, did not practice on Thursday. I'm going to guess that he's just, you know, resting this time. And then everyone else uh, Calvin Throckmorton, limited participant on. On Wednesday and Thursday with a calf. Austin Corbett, limited participant on Wednesday and Thursday with a knee. And Stephon Sullivan limited with a hip on Wednesday. And a full participant on Friday. Thursday, so Stefan Sullivan, who was on IR, he is, of course, now working his way back off of IR. He appears to maybe be ready to go come Sunday afternoon. It'll be interesting to see how they utilize him. The end uses has been a question that a lot of fans have had. And Thomas Brown talked about, hey, they're versatile and yada, yada, yada. But come on, everyone knows that the best tight end in that room is Hayden Hurst. That's the guy that the Carolina Panthers gave a three-year, $21 million deal to, and for whatever reason, he has not appeared to be a massive part of the game plan over the last couple weeks. So that is a concern for fans. So if Sullivan comes back, that's great, but Hayden Hurst needs to be far more involved, especially on Sunday against the Dolphins if the Panthers want to win that game and win moving forward. Dante Jackson, full participant on Wednesday and on Thursday with that shoulder. So he is good to go. Uh, Brian Burns limited with an ankle on Wednesday. Did not practice on Thursday. So some concern there that Brian Burns may be out. I don't, and it, it doesn't say rest either. So we'll see how serious that is with Brian Burns, but did not practice on Thursday. We'll see whether he will be good to go. And then Derek Brown limited with a knee slash ankle on Wednesday. And he also did not practice on Thursday. So two Of those to monitor, as that is um, a little concerning, obviously. Your top two defensive players, both of those guys not practicing on Thursday, and it's not designated as a rest. Knee slash ankle for Derek Brown. Then everyone else, uh, Giovanni Ritchie did not practice with a shoulder on Thursday. Kamu Grier Hill uh, limited with a back, and then Von Bell was limited with a quad injury. So, Brian Burns... And Derek Brown, don't know whether to be concerned about that. The fact that they didn't practice is interesting, but we'll see if they practice on Friday through their walkthrough. If they do, then everything should be good to go for the two of them heading down to Miami. Uh, but they have not been listed as questionable or any of that, so – Probably going to be good to go, but do not expect to see Miles Sanders, Xavier Woods, or Chandler Zavala as those three did not practice any of the days so far this week. But there was some good news, though, as far as the injuries go for the Carolina Panthers. Austin Corbett, he, as I mentioned, limited on Wednesday and on Thursday. He's working his way back to being available, hopefully, after the bye. That's what he said. He wanted to get through the bye week first. When he was taken off a pup last week and had the 21 days, I looked at the calendar, and it, Made sense that it would be after the bye like day 21 would be that Wednesday practice where the Carolina Panthers are going to be preparing for the Houston Texans. That would be when he would need to be activated. So I'm guessing that obviously didn't play last week. Not going to play this week. Um, get the buy week. That's more time to get back in shape. Then there's no choice but for him to be ready because if he's not, they would have to then have him be out for the rest of the season. And at 0-6, there could be an argument to be made that that makes sense for the Panthers to do that. Put Cade Mays in there at right guard instead of Calvin Throckmorton. Have Jandlers of all at left guard and just develop those guys the rest of the season because if you really think about it, it's not going to be a team that's going to be a playoff team this year. Maybe they have a miracle turnaround, but that would be the first time in NFL history a team started off 0-5 or even 0-6 and gone to the playoffs. I don't see that happening. in the primary focus for the organization, and really, if you're a fan, should be on the development of Bryce Young. So why not try and develop some other guys in the meantime? I don't think that's going to be what the Carolina Panthers decide to do, and getting Austin Corbett out there would give them a fighting chance to potentially turn this thing around. Now, they are – They're pretty far in the hole, and I don't think they're going to turn it around to the point where, oh, they're back in contention for the playoffs, and here's a a real thing, too, if you think about the playoffs, if we can even have this conversation, if we should even have the conversation, rather, they have lost two divisional games, as we know, they have lost to the Vikings to the Lions, and to the Seahawks. They're 0-5 in the NFC. Like, those are the crucial tiebreakers is what your conference record is. Obviously, the head-to-head's important, but when you look, think about the wild card, which is what the Carolina Panthers would I mean, they'd probably still be ha- hoping for the division as they're, I think, two and a half back of Tampa Bay right now. That would be the way to get to the playoffs. But if you think even about wild card, what really puts them in a massive bind is being 0-5 and having played all those conference opponents and lost to them, aside from the teams in their division with Atlanta and New Orleans in the first two weeks of the season. But either way, after the bye, Austin Corbett has to be activated. And as I told you all last week, that's what I expected. And it's a good thing. It can help stabilize the offensive line. The Panthers back in 2021, when they went 5-12, and 12, started 13 of 17 different combinations. And I understand that year when you had John Miller, You had Matt Paradis who got injured. You had Pat Elfline. You had Michael Jordan in there. You had Dennis Daly. That was a very bad interior offensive line group. You saw it dating back to the precinct. They were bad. And even if they had stayed healthy, that wasn't going to be one of the top half offensive lines in the NFL. But when you have that many different combinations, you have no chance at winning at all. In the NFL. And then you combine that with your quarterback getting hurt. And also not being very good. Christian McCaffrey being hurt. And you got what you got in 2021. A complete disaster. After an inspiring 3-0 start by the Carolina Panthers that season. You have to have a healthy O-line. You have to be able to win up front. If you can't win up front. You cannot win in the NFL. Or really in any level of football. But especially at the NFL level. And right now the Carolina Panthers. They are sitting In a position where they are going to be on their fourth different starting combination through six games. It's hard to win games that way, y'all, like I just mentioned. And it's no coincidence that so far they've had three in the first five games at their own five. And you think about Brady Christensen being out for the rest of the season. Corbett hasn't played yet. That's what happens when you have to throw Cade Mays out there. You got to throw Calvin Throckmorton, a rookie in Chandler Zavala this is a result of not having, having a healthy offensive line. If they're healthy going into the season and would have stayed healthy, I don't think this is an 0-5 football team. I don't see that much pressure coming up the middle. I think that they are able to be maybe 2-3 and three or 3-2 three and two at this point. I don't think they're 0-5 with the healthy offensive line, a unit that I touted as the best on the team. And, of course, that has not been the case. There's been other reasons why this unit has struggled aside from injuries. But the number one issue is a lack of continuity and, of course, the injuries that they've suffered. So it can help stabilize the offensive line by getting Austin Corbett back. I don't expect to see the same player that we saw last year when he was a second-rated offensive lineman, according to Pro Football Focus for the Panthers um, a year ago. I don't expect to see that player, but I think he will be better than what they've seen so far. And talk about development, too. I know Chandler's wall is going to miss this week. Not quite sure when he's going to come back. But when he does – it would make more sense for the Panthers, honestly, thinking just development-wise, to keep him there at left guard, even though he struggled. It's possible there could be a future for him there. I don't know. Uh, but it makes more sense to put him there than Calvin Throckmorton. Now, if you're just trying to just flat out win games, and Throckmorton probably gives you the best chance to win games, but if you're thinking ahead and long-term and knowing that, okay, we got to build some depth on the O-line. We lost Christensen. We lost Corbett and this is what it's resulted in. Getting Chandler Zavala as some meaningful reps the rest of the way would make some sense um, from a development standpoint for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, then J.C. Horn, uh, according to Frank Reich, he and Marquise Haynes will both be evaluated uh, following the bye. Interesting thing about Haynes is, like, it feels like he's been forgotten so far this season. Uh, the Panthers have 14 sacks on the season. It took until week 9. At Cincinnati, for them to reach that total a year ago, they've done it through five weeks, and they've been pretty good at getting after the passer. Now, sacks is important, but really, pressure over sacks, and they've gotten plenty of pressure on quarterbacks this season. Uh, four of those sacks that come from Brian Burns, two and a half from Frankie Luvo, and Etor Gross Only a half a sack from Justin Houston. So while... You would think that if Justin Houston only had a half a sack by this point in the season to the Panthers would have been really struggling to get after the passer. That has not been the case as Frankie Lou picked up where he left off last year. And Etor Grossmatos has really stepped up um, taking some of those snaps that would have been there for Mikey Haynes. And when Haynes comes back from that back injury, which we don't know when that's going to be and what he's going to look like. Because that has been something that's really bothered him uh, dating back to the end of July, early August. So we we'll are curious to see if he's able to come back healthy, be explosive, and if he can help out that pass rush uh, for the Panthers in the second half of the season. But he should be evaluated uh, during the bye, and then we'll see whether he and Horn and some of these other guys can come back. But Austin Corbett, at the very least, should be back uh, come ne- after the bye, as far as the guys that are on IR that we're discussing now. Like he, of the three, should definitely be back and will have to be back uh, once the Carolina Panthers come back uh, preparing for the Houston Texans after the bye week. The Carolina Panthers are 13.5-point underdogs, so they're likely to start off 0-6. Oh, what should fans be looking out for the rest of the season if that is the case? Let's talk about that here in just a moment on Lockdown Panthers. Price Picks is the most fun you'll have, winning up to 25 times your money this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. Test your skills on Prize Picks this football season. It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Price Picks is really simple to play you can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds quick withdrawals easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make price picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepickscom slash locked on nfl and use code locked on nfl for a first deposit match up to 100 that's pricepix.com slash locked on nfl and use code locked on nfl for a first deposit match up to 100
1: Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state.
0: According to our friends over at FanDuel, the Carolina Panthers are 13.5 underdogs as they go into the game against the Miami Dolphins on Sunday afternoon through five weeks. The Panthers are 0-5, and they are also 0-5 against the spread. Let's just be honest. Let's give it a buck. We all know what's going to happen. The Panthers are not going to win the game on Sunday, and they are unlikely to cover that spread, as big as it is. Like, that's as big as you're going to see it in the NFL. That's something that you're used to seeing on Saturdays, but on Sundays, it is not often that you see a near-two touchdown point spread in a game. So, yeah, the Panthers are going to go in 6 and that is obviously concerning. We had a discussion earlier this week about could Frank Reich be a one-and-done head coach. I don't think that will be what turns out um, to happen here in Carolina. I think they're going to be able to win some games in the second half of the season. I believe that we're going to see some progress from Bryce. And it will be enough for David Tepper to keep him around and for the Carolina Panthers to look to the offseason and try and fix the numerous roster holes that they have heading into 2024. So I do think Frank Reich will be the head coach next year. But of course, if things completely crater and continue down the path that they are currently on, then yes, the discussion has to be had whether Frank Reich should return as a Carolina Panthers head coach. They go 3-14, and 2-15. I just don't really see how you bring him back in that situation with the experience that he has, the coaching staff has, and I understand that the roster is not nearly as talented as it needs to be in order for the Carolina Panthers to compete at a high level here in the NFL. And that goes back to Scott Fitterer, in the front o- and the front office. I wonder this. I was thinking about this earlier today, because there there obviously a lot of fans want Scott Fitter were gone every Wednesday. Someone's asking me, Oh, hey, when is Scott Fitter gonna get fired? You need to fire him. I saw Vastai Hurt was out there at practice on Wednesday and she had a video of one on one reps with DJ Johnson, the third round pick, who the Panthers traded up for. They used two of the McCaffrey picks to go get DJ Johnson. And just a quick aside, for those of you who are like, oh, let's trade Brian Burns. Let's trade this player and that player for picks. You traded Christian McCaffrey, and a lot of y'all, I know you wanted the revisionist history thing and be like, oh, I never wanted Christian leave. Bull. Plenty of y'all out there didn't want Christian here because you got upset when he got injured. Remember, you wanted him gone. You wanted to trade for picks. The picks ended up being one of them they used as leverage to get Bryce Young and two of them. They used so they could get DJ Johnson, who got a jersey week one, got a jersey last week, but has not played a single snap, ended in one-on-ones against David Sharp and against, I think, Joe Dorenzo. Looked awful. No burst. 25-year-old project. So just remind, remember that the next time you're like, oh, let's trade this player for picks, and then see what those picks end up becoming. Now, if you get a new GM, do the picks become better? That's a conversation, of course, that we can have, and that's probably the conversation that you're a little bit more comfortable having because you don't have to admit that, oh, maybe you were wrong to be like, ah, let's get rid of a good player and then get a really bad player. Anywho, yeah, TJ Johnson, not great. So, just, Scott Fitter, there's some questions there. Now, I saw that it was, oh, God, what was his name? From Underdog Fantasy, Josh something- you know, I had him on the show. I, should, I can't remember his name, but you're, you'll know. You know what I'm talking about. He had came out and he said, oh, well, that was a Jero Vero who really liked DJ Johnson. And that's one of the things where I wonder how much of these decisions the last couple of years have been Scott Fitterer and how much of them were like Matt Rule. When Fitterer came in 2021, was it Matt Rule had all the control and all the power? Because it feels like Sam Darnold was Matt Rule. It was Phil Snow who watched the Jets tape. And he's like, oh, hey, man, this quarterback, it got to go get him. And I think it was then Matt Rule being like, oh, let's go get Sam. And you think about Baker Mayfield. It was Matt Rule who was pounding the table for Baker Mayfield. So are you going to put that on Scott Fitterer? Because he facilitated the deals. But if the head coach who has the power is like, hey, get this done, I-, I don't know. And I'm not trying to sit here and necessarily defend Scott Fitter and say that he should not um beyond the hot seat or have any criticism I still believe that he's tied with Frank Reich uh, I think having some stability there would make a lot of sense and yeah I think they've missed and we can spend part of next week um talking about the misses that they might have they've had so far in free agency and what they need to do moving ahead of next season or going to next season as far as the offseason goes um but I just wonder and you have to remember this too if you get rid of Scott Fitterer, that means you're going to get of a lot of the area scouts who are going to lose their jobs. It's not just Scott Fitter. The area scouts are going to lose their job. And I talk about this with Matt Rule. You want to fire Matt Rule. That's by all means. Hey, He needed to go. But understand, more people lose their jobs than just the head coach in that situation. So if you fire Scott Fitter, he's gone. Does then Dan Morgan, Samir Sulman want to be the general manager and say they don't get that job? Do they then leave? Maybe that's a good thing. But you're going to lose the Scouts, you can lose Fitter, potentially lose Suman, potentially lose Dan Morgan, who worked a long time with Scott Fitter there in Seattle. And a big reason why he's here is because of Scott Fitter. Obviously, his connection to the area, having played for the team and lived here. But that has to be a large part of why he's here as well in Carolina. So just these are things to consider when you want to get trigger happy and be like, hey, fire this guy. You have to also just think about how many of the decisions were actually on him. Was it really the D.C. who wanted that player? Was it that pro, former head coach who wanted that player? Of course, he's a general manager. And you think about heading into the bye at 0-6 potentially and likely. Um, what needs to change? Like Changes have to be made. Well, I think the most obvious change is, okay, Frank Reich, offense, it's not working. You're trying to simplify things for Bryce. Thomas Brown calls the plays now. Because at 0-6, the offense is bad. And we've already seen David Sapper in the past tell Ron Rivera, I like that you're the one who's going to call the plays defensively. In 2019, we saw how that worked out. Ron Rivera got fired. For Frank Reich, all right, pass the buck over to the OC. And I also thought about this too. If Thomas Brown was the OC right now, when the Panthers' offense looked like this, y'all would want his ass fired. <laughs> and instead, he's not calling plays. And everyone's like, oh, we've got to get him to call plays. So it's just, it's just interesting how things could be different had he been the one calling plays, even though he is – a large contributor to what the offense looks like week in and week out, even if he's not the primary play caller um, on those down-and-down on down bases for the Carolina Panthers. Just another thought I had as just a bunch of thoughts are coming to my head as the Panthers are about to head to uh, Miami and lose and be 0-6 heading into the bye week. So just some things to think about. But, yeah, 0-6, uh, you would think that the first thing would happen is that Frank Reich would have to give up play calling. The next thing that would happen, I would think, would probably be Scott Fitter having to – You know, wear all the sins of the past and be fired. Will that happen? We'll see. But the Carolina Panthers, they got to figure it out. I mean, I think Bryce Young can develop moving forward. As again, I mentioned, there's been some talk about simplifying the offense for him. Uh, That is really the key. The rest of the way is the development of Bryce Young and if they can simplify things and not ask him to have to do so many checks. You see the play call getting out late uh, and just seeing how getting in late and just seeing all the – the communication and how long it's taking for them to snap the football and having to use timeouts, almost having to lay a games, all that. Does that then go away starting on Sunday if things are simplified for Bryce? He still is great at processing, but he's still a rookie, and they're probably, and it seems committedly, have put up a little bit too much on his plate so far. So that's something to look forward at to the next um, – to really focus on moving forward is the development of Bryce Young and seeing how he's able to you know, manage the offense if they're really simplifying things for him – and you know Frank Gregg had said when you're 0-5 the answer is to do less. Well, really we need you to do more. Just thinking about it, they go 0-6 to get up to come out of the bye. Got Houston at home, Indy at home, two winnable games. Not gonna see Anthony Richardson. You will see C.J. Stroud. Two winnable games. Chicago's a winnable game. It's not crazy to think that this team ends up going 3-0 in that period, being 3-6. Then who knows if they're feeling good about that themselves. They get Dallas come here. We've seen Dak Prescott turn the football over. It's not crazy to think that maybe they beat the Cowboys and then you got Tennessee on the road, then at Tampa, at New Orleans. Like That's the next tough stretch is those three straight road games, but Tennessee is a winnable game as well. I don't think they're going to go 5-0 and out of the bye and be 5-6 and once they get down to Tampa, um, but I do think they can win three or four games coming out of it, and we can start to see the football team that we thought we were going to see once the season started off. So that's just some things to consider as Carolina Panthers head to Miami this weekend. But that's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all, make sure to subscribe or follow the show for free over on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where I will be back with you next Wednesday for the weekly Wednesday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers, either at me or DM me to get those questions into me now. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding. I'll be back with you here on Sunday afternoon, live on YouTube as we break down the Carolina Panthers loss against the Miami Dolphins.